back to School of Science Radio. Um, no Gino this week, um, but um, we've got Matthew Chandler here on hosting duties, and we made up with it with uh, two two special guests this week. Pete Reynolds is back. Um, been on a few times before. Pete, how, how are you doing, mate? Yeah, doing good. Thanks. How about yourself? Nice. Yeah, good. Nice to have you on for a win because I think the last couple of times you've been on, we've lost, haven't we? <laughs> kind of had a miserable. Sort of post-lockdown defeat. That's what I mean, yeah. If, like, if you come on the podcast with any regularity, <laughs> yeah. you're going to find a few losses, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> um, and also we've got Roger Armstrong from uh, Blue Heart Podcast and Everton Business Matters. Um, Roger, pleasure to have you on, mate. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm not bad. Thank you very much. It's good to uh, good to talk to you. Yeah, we were on the uh, Blue Heart the other week talking about... Uh, Everton in the midst of that pretty miserable run that we had. It's quite nice to yeah. I think we we'll maybe talk about a few times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll get we'll get into it by starting with um, the first game this last week, which is obviously the Leicester the Leicester win. Um, obviously, I guess the first thing to talk about here was obviously when the team came out. Um, Ancelotti's kind of mixed and matched his teams lately, and then I've kind of stumbled across this. Winning formula a bit with um, four centre backs against Chelsea, um, and it's the same team apart from changing goal. Um, obviously, taking out Jordan Pickford and dropping him for Robin Olsen. Uh, Pete, I'll go to you first, mate. What did you think of? What, what was your reaction when you saw that? I guess. Um, yeah, to be fair, like coming into the Chelsea game, I was like really skeptical about this four centre halves across the back four. I mean, like we kind of knew it would keep us solid. But I just thought we'd, it would kill us going forward in terms of how important Luka Dean is. Um, and to some degree, Seamus Coleman. Um, but it actually just turned out to be a great success, really, against Chelsea. The question was whether against not a lesser, much of a lesser team in Leicester, but certainly a team you're not expecting to be dominated by so much. Um, but I think we did well again. Um, I think it, it frees up or it freed up Allen to some degree, as well as Decore with this back four, um, in terms of allowing them a bit more license to push forward and do other stuff, knowing that there's this rock-solid kind of unit at the back. Um, but yeah, I was pretty happy with how it went, really. Um, and Roger, I mean, how did you think uh, Robin Olsen did in goal? And obviously, he's done this before with Pickford, hasn't he? Just um, kind of dropping him out of the blue, but Olsen didn't have much to do, did he? But I didn't think he did anything wrong on, on Wednesday against Leicester. No, he didn't. I mean, it's difficult to say. Isn't it? It's like his second game, but he's um, he seems a bit of a calmer figure in goal. Um, kept a clean sheet. Didn't have a lot to do, as you say. Um, and, and um, you know, it's the result that matters, isn't it? You know, you go to Leicester and you keep a clean sheet. That's absolutely fine. You know, then, then you build from there and... I, I, it, it's hard to it's hard to find fault with a change in formation, not not a change in formation, rather a change in selection. As important as in goal, if a clean sheet's kept and the game's won. Yeah. Um, obviously, Everton kind of kept, like I said, kept Leicester Leicester out most of the game. I can only think of that one save maybe in the first half from uh, from Vardy's header, uh, which Olsen really had to do, wasn't it? And um, obviously, we get the goal through with Charleston midway through the second half and then Mason Holgate from the corner towards the end of the second half. Um, I thought, I thought, Pete, that Alan, like you said, was 
was fantastic in that first half. But I thought Abdullah Decore as well really stepped up um, after he obviously went off injured. Um, how do you think he did? And also, how do you think Gomez, um, Andre, how do you think Andre Gomez did in as Allen's replacement in that midfield? Obviously, gave the penalty away, which was overturned, um, and then was then dropped for or not involved on Saturday. But how do you think he he sort of deputised for Allen? I think first off, I thought Decore was absolutely superb. He kind of just really stepped up um, in that moment when Alan was gone. Because um, normally he's the more box to box midfielder, and then Alan's sitting, but he, he took on that extra duty. He, he still managed to get forward a bit as well, which is um, positive. But um, I thought he was excellent, yeah. Just his all round game. He looked like a leader in that game, I thought. Um, and then Gomez. It's not re- it's not really a like for like replacement, is it? Like taking off Allen, like your holding player, and then bringing on Gomez, who's I don't know, like he's keeps things ticking, I guess. Um, he had a pretty horrible game against Leicester, but I thought actually the last few weeks when he's come on, he's looked a lot more confident. He seems to have like his kind of mojo back a little bit. Um, and then obviously he was injured for this weekend, but I think that it'd be interesting to see whether. If he is fit for tomorrow, whether he'll come in for Davis or not, um, I, th- I think he's needed this kind of little break to just kind of get his kind of have like a bit of time to kind of focus on his game after that injury and stuff. And I think he'll come back to it, but I'm not sure he's the right partner for Decore in there. Yeah, that's an interesting, interesting point. I mean, Roger, do you think we saw maybe on against Leicester that? Gomez was maybe asked, being asked to do a job that he's not maybe best suited to doing, or do you think it's more of a case that he's still finding his way again after, after the injury, or should he be over that by now, do you think? Who knows? That injury was a horrible injury. Um, you know, um, coming back from it, some players are never really the same. They lose something. I, I don't think he ever really had that extra yard of pace, did he, in, no. in, in the case of Gomez? But, um, I mean, it's funny. I think him and Davis and Sigurdsson, the three of them, are sort of the misfits in terms of expecting them to play quite a uh, defensive role in midfield as well as, you know, taking us forward a little bit. And not one of those three is is an Allen character, the ability to be box-to-box and to tackle. Uh, but Sigurdsson of the three, I mean, goodness knows, we've spoken before about Sigurdsson. I thought he was done. I mean, absolutely done. Yeah. Um, and in the last three games... He's he's come through in spades, and that does leave Gomez lacking a, a little. Um, and I think he's lacking in. I, I think what he what he brings to the attacking part of our play, uh, he we lose in the defensive because he's he's just poor in a tackle. He's quite a decent physical unit, but he doesn't win many 50-50s. In fact, he might win fewer than Sigurdsson, which is quite an achievement. Um, so I, I think um, alongside Decore, it's difficult to see. I'm interested in Pete thinks he might come in. Uh, maybe maybe Gomez could come in for Davis uh, tomorrow night. I'd be reluctant to do that, but obviously defer to Carlo. Yeah, I mean, Sigurdsson has kind of maybe pushed him a bit down the pecking order. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of with, on the same page as you in terms of I've long been sceptical about Sigurdsson. Even maybe when he had his better spells under Silver at the start, I kind of thought he was a bit of a misfit in our team. So. I mean, what have you seen from him in the last three games, which makes you think maybe he's there's still some life left in him? Well, well, what I saw um, from him 
against Chelsea was something I didn't think I would see, and that was bollocks. Because he yeah. took the penalty. You know? Yeah. And I've been there, you know, maybe we've all been there. I've been there at Goodison when he's missed penalties. And, and he just at times seems like the world's most inappropriate penalty taker. I used to have a problem with left-footed penalty takers, you know. Maybe that was from the Stuart Pearce days of England. But, you know, Sigurdsson just never, ever convinced me with a, with a, a penalty. And, you know, that did require balls to, to take that. Richarlison had scored our last penalty and he took it. I mean, he gave him the eyes in a very, very exaggerated way. The keeper fell for it, hook, line and sinker. But, he, you know, he scored the goal and I'll take my hat off to him for that. And, and what he did, but both at Chelsea and Leicester, not quite so much against Arsenal, but I watched him quite a lot. And whilst he doesn't necessarily get his foot in and win the 50-50s, he was running around and blocking space in an appropriate way. He wasn't just running around pointing at other people, which he has tended to do particularly when he's come off the bench so he's impressed me I wouldn't say he's won me round, and I think he's a long-term solution but uh, he's look he's captained us to three wins in a row and he's been um, quite an important part of the team um, and he gives you in that midfield three if it is you know Alan, if it were to be Alan de Cure Sigurdsson he gives us a bit more going forward which the other two not, aren't necessarily meant to yeah and I think as, as well what's interesting about these these few games, um, which Pete, you touched on in your stats for the site, was um, we've had so much less possession against first Chelsea and then Leicester last week. Um, I think you put we had 39% against Leicester. Um, like, I think I've made this point before, Pete, but do you think do you, feel, do you think it's almost like we're, we're a better team when we have less time to think about it or we have less, less sort of, um, I guess luxury and possession. Like we, when we're starved to possession more, we think we seem to make make more use of it almost. I think with the possession thing, it's largely it seems like something to do with mentality. Still, like this when we've got a bigger team or a bigger threat to deal with, and we're the underdog, we we kind of rise to the challenge a bit more. It's like it seems part of like the yeah, it's just the mentality of the club. Whereas when we're given the chance to um have the ball and dominate a game. We're just so pedestrian in possession, um, which is something that'll be interesting with someone like having like someone have, having someone like Carlo Ancelotti in charge, who I guess isn't used to being this kind of underdog. So whether he'll look to transform this over time. And for now, this is more of a, an interim measure to just grind out results. I, I just let the other team keep the ball for large uh, periods of the game. And then always just using it really effectively when we do get the chance. Actually, in terms of watching it as well, I kind of prefer it. I don't think, I don't really, unless we're really at it, I don't normally enjoy us when we're dominant or trying to dominate a game. Yeah, I think, I think it's a fair point in that, you know, I don't think it's necessarily a game plan that we work against every team because I think maybe against, um, you know, more, shall we say, charitable defences, you'd, you'd expect Evans maybe take the game to them a bit more. Um, but against teams like Leicester, um, as we said, and Chelsea especially, I think you can you can also much get away with it, but just you can um, kind of limit them to very few opportunities and 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 still create more of your own. And I guess we always had an outlet with the with the front three. And um, Roger, I mean, I'm not going to I, I wouldn't go so far as say we're a better team without James Rodriguez. But how Alex Alex Awobi obviously got I think the assist for Richarlison's goal. I mean, how how impressive have you been? with him deputising in, in a role where he's maybe got a, a lot of stick before um, 
where he, when he's played out on the wing. I mean, how impressed have you been since Rodriguez came out the side? Yeah, I think Iwobi's been been one of the successes of the of the last three or four games. You know, um, there's 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 a player in there. It's quite where he's meant to play. I always doubted that he was a winger. He was billed as a winger. I never saw him as a winger. I thought he was meant to be a number ten at Arsenal. But he's actually putting in the effort, and he's um, you know he's delivering results. I think he can improve the quality of his crossing, uh, which has been a bit left a little bit to be desired. But you know he looks motivated, and that's all we want from our players, isn't it? Really. We want them to be motivated. We want them to show that they're up for it. And, I, you know, the style of play doesn't really bother me. I mean, I, I watched Leicester lose to Fulham and Fulham gave them a, a good hiding, frankly. And Leicester are such a funny team. You know, they've just gone to Tottenham and beaten them comprehensively, really. Been to Manchester City and beaten them comprehensively. But, you know, when you don't take the game to them, they don't really know what to do. When you sit back... Rather like we were saying about Everton can't dominate a game. Leicester can't dominate a game either. Um, and, and bar Jamie Vardy, you know, I thought we were quite comfortable in that game. And that is a rarity for any Everton fan uh, to think that at 1-0 up we're comfortable. But I thought we were. I think it's probably the kind of game that suits Michael Keane and Yeri Mina as well, isn't it? Michael Keane and Yeri yeah. Mina as well, isn't it, Pete? I think you see maybe when we play, when we play a higher line, maybe Michael Keane especially is kind of left a bit exposed. But I, th- I thought... Um, the two of them, you know, sitting deeper, you know, really nullified Vardy, didn't they? And, and left and left very few openings for him to work with. Yeah, sure. And building on what Roger was just saying, I think we are, wasn't Leicester are quite similar in this way. And I think we've been joking for a couple of weeks that we're going to beat all these top teams. And then when we get to Bramall Lane, we're going to give Sheffield United their first win of the season just because <laughs> we are going to have to dominate that game if we want to win it. If we, if we, we can't sit back against Sheffield United. So it'd be interesting when, if we go to Sheffield United with a similar kind of setup as in the back four, like the sitting fullbacks, how that will work against a team that's also going to sit back. Yeah, I'm just looking, looking through the rest of your stats from this game, Pete. I mean, one of the interesting ones, I guess, is the fact that we keep winning games when we score, when we open the scoring early on in the first 25 minutes. Um, and obviously, you point out the consecutive clean sheets. Um, 88% pass success for Decore, 13 recoveries. He was my he was my man of the match personally. I thought he really dominated that, that game, not just in the field. Um, and then back into the top six, which is obviously where we were at the start, and then obviously a bit of a drop off, and then and then back up there. And obviously we continued that on Saturday with um, third straight win against uh, Mikel Arteta's Arsenal, which we'll get into after this quick quick break. We'll get into a third win in a row for Everton. Okay, we're back. Um, I'm excited to discuss yet another Everton win. Um, so seeing off Arsenal on Saturday at Goodison Park um, to record their third straight Premier League win, their third win in a week. Um, obviously, Rob holding his own goal put Everton in front and Yerry Mina restored that after Nicholas Pepe equalising the spot. Um, I guess first thing we'll, we'll start with, I guess, again, is the team. Um First of all, were either of you surprised at all that he went, he put Jordan Pickford straight back in for this one? No, I don't think so. I think he trailed it. Did he not say that he'd be back anyway? Oh, did he? Okay. I, I thought maybe, maybe. Um, I certainly got the impression it was rotation, and rotation means one in, one out, I suppose. And and with in midfield, obviously with Alan out, um, we we surprised at all to see Davies 
Tom Davies take his place? Possibly. I thought he might have gone with Gomez, but... Pete, how, how did you see it, mate? Yeah, I thought, go, based on the Leicester game, um, with Gomez replacing Allen, that seemed like a quite clear moment where Ancelotti was saying, oh, this is my preferred option there. Obviously, Gomez didn't have a great game, but I think he had, an, he had a, he got a knock at the weekend, right? Um, I think well, yeah, he, he said he was left out as a precaution because he had a bit of a knock, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I, I think if he was fit, he would have started. Um, I'm not sure... I'm not sure who I prefer in this, but I think I think I prefer Davis in terms of he just offers a little bit more defensively, uh, covers a lot more ground, look much better in the tackle, and his distribution still pretty good. He's obviously, I think the best way to describe Davis is rough, like he's a bit loose in his play sometimes. Um, yeah, he's not a very like he's not a very refined footballer, is he? But he's you know putting the dirty yeah. work and he'll he'll graph for you, I guess which. I think um, one thing he gets is a bit underrated in terms of though is like his one touch game is excellent. Like in tight spaces, he's he's very good at keeping the ball and getting out of trouble. It's just sometimes his decision making when he's got a bit more time. I think it's a bit like Everton, isn't it? Like when we've got more time yeah. on the ball, we, we don't know what to do with it. And I think Davis is a little bit like that. So maybe he's the epitome of Everton. It was probably what happens when he grew up watching Everton, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I think um I was quite glad he didn't split up the defense anyway, because I saw some people saying, you know, understandably that he could maybe have played either Ben Godfrey or Mason Holgate, um, maybe in that defensive midfield role. But I think, you know, we waited so long to keep a clean sheet, then you keep two in a row with the same back four. Why would he, why would he change that? You know, um, I think first, first of all, I think we'll start with Godfrey because I think he's probably a lot of people's man of the match. Um, Roger, I thought he was maybe a bit more front foot in this game than he has been in, in the last. You and, and maybe show more of an appetite getting forward as well. Is he did he do enough? Has he shown enough to convince you that maybe he's not going to be our sort of outright left back, obviously, but that he is a viable sort of long term option, maybe as a deputy to Luca Dean there? Difficult one, isn't it? Because Dean is such an important player, and, and for some reason, left back tends to be viewed as a more specialist position, probably because natural left footers are rarer than natural right footers. Luca Dina has a good ability to take corners and other dead balls, and I don't see I don't see Godfrey doing that. No. I think it's a bit of a shame for him, to be honest with you, because I think he wants to play centre back. <laughs> That's what he sees himself as. You know, he's moved backwards, hasn't he, from central midfield, defensive midfield, a few games there for, for Norwich, or did they even buy him as a defensive midfielder? I can't quite recall. But I think he wants to play centrally. And um I, I don't think but he's that good on on the left side. Um, I think his left foot is, is good enough to do a bit more than stand on. So I, I don't think he's ever going to be, you know, his position in the squad is backup fullback for Luca Dina. I think, you know, long term, he wants to be playing centre back. And that's where some decisions further down the line around the first choice pairing will come. Because you've got to throw Branthwaite into that mix in the next six, 12 months. Um, but he's doing a job. He's giving us solidity. Um, is Richarlison suffering more with him there? Possibly, because Richarlison seems a bit on form, off form rather, a bit more moody um, and, and, and obviously works better with somebody like Luca who'll get the ball forward and then, you know, can give, can give Richarlison a better platform to accelerate from. But Godfrey's been great, you know, uh, pleased for him, but... Uh, 
naturally, I think he's a centre back. Yeah, Peter, that, that tackle on Tobias was. Uh, oh, it was wicked. That was great. Was, yeah. Um, and uh, Pete, what did you make of the mate? I mean, he reminds me a bit of Julian Lescott when he played there. Um, you know, maybe you can yeah. tell. Maybe like Roger was alluding to, you can tell that it's not the most comfortable position, and that he has got maybe um, sort of limitations there um, that Luca Dean doesn't have anyway. Um, yeah, but I mean, you can't. Sorry. I don't think you could have asked for much more from Godfrey, could you really? I think he put in a great performance. Like, it's actually quite crazy when you look back, what was it, probably about 15, 10, 15, I don't know, 14, 15 years ago when Lescott was keeping Baines up the team at left back. <laughs> Seems bonkers now. Um, but I think, I think, I might be wrong in saying this, but I thought Lescott was a left footed player, which, yeah, he was. you're a centre back, you're, you're a centre back. Like, but I think it just helps in terms of the balance and the way you have to tackle people. Because if, if someone comes down the outside, He's going to struggle to get a tackle off, tackle off in a natural position. So I think there's always a risk when you play the wrong-footed player at fullback. Um, but he's done, he's done a brilliant job. He's definitely not a fullback. Um, but going to what I just said then, um, looking forward, who's going to be our centre-back pairing for the next few years? You look at Holgate and Godfrey in particular, they're both like what, 22, 23. You've got to assume they're going to be the main guys but they're also very similar and yeah they are do you think they, do you think that's a potential combination in terms of they're not either neither of them are particularly tall either i think they're great in combination with amina or akeen but do you think two players like that can play together i think it's it's interesting it's an interesting point because um i, I do see a lot of similarities in the two of them i think they're also i think they're quite they're pretty good mates aren't they godfrey and holgate i think Holgate's obviously kind of gravitated to Godfrey. Um, I think since he's since he's signed, um, I think they get they got on pretty well off the pitch, and um, you know that can always help, I guess, if you if you're playing with your best mate. But um, you know they're they're both you know I think they both got a good turn of pace. They're not the most like physically imposing, but they obviously what I like about Godfrey and Holgate is you can tell they both love tackling and love defending, and you know they love keeping clean sheets. And it's not a chore for them. Um, to have to have to put the foot in. Um, whether they'll need someone a bit sort of not sturdier, but more you know physically dominant alongside them, I don't know. Because you got to remember as well, they're both pretty young, so you know they they might you know you've seen the sort of physical change in Calvert Lewin, who's really kind of bulked up and and improved like his physical aspect of his game. I don't know whether you can maybe see that from Holgate or Godfrey eventually. I'm not sure it's like a strength issue so much. I think it's more like if you're looking at especially set pieces, like at the moment, most of our set pieces are really are won by Keane, if not Mina. Yeah. If you take both of the, like say you have Holgate and um, Godfrey there, do will they, it's, I think in normal play, they'll be absolutely fine. It's just the concern of if corners start coming in, are we going to be dominant enough in the air? Unless we have someone like Calvert Lewin who we entrust with that kind of defensive role as well. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, I'm sure he would do it, wouldn't he? Um, Roger, what do you think, mate? Do you think that's a good point, or do you think do you see like a defensive partnership in Holgate and Godfrey? I don't. I don't see a partnership. I agree with Pete. I think they're too similar, um, and 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 it's not clear which one would go to attack the ball, which one would go to attack a defensive header. Um, I have a feeling that one of them will make it, and one of them won't. Um, and I think I think it's the more consistent of the two. Holgate has had an interesting career with Everton. 
and some loan spells. And he's had patches, you know, second half of last season, very good, uh, very good games, very good performances. Doesn't quite seem to be on it so far this season, I think. Um, Do you not think I thought, I, think, he was, I thought he was? I thought he was less sort of outstanding than Godfrey, but I thought the last few games he's done a solid. I think he's right done better back. at right back. I have to say, I think he's looked better at right back than when yeah. he came in and played centre back. The, for the yeah. game, he, first game he came in at centre back was poor. I forget who it was against, but he was off the pace. First game Leeds. back for a while. Leeds, Leeds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Leeds and Man United, the two games. He was yeah, um, and and I like Holgate, and I, and I just think maybe physically, you know, he's one of those players who isn't quite big enough naturally to be a natural centre half. He's not six two, six three. He hasn't got that physical presence, and and nor is he you know, like a, a traditional um, Italian centre-half, a sort of um, a smaller centre-half, but who's a, who's a footballing, ball-playing centre-half. Um, so, so he's kind of caught between, you know, centre-back, holding midfielder, and I hope a Godfrey may be a bit of a... maybe maybe similar, but I, don't, I agree with Pete. I don't see them as a pair going forward. Um, yeah, one point I would make about Godfrey, though, I think, was... Um, we had um, we had Gav Buckland on the show last week, Roger. I think you know, yeah. and he made um, I thought it was a great point about Godfrey, which is we spent so many years kind of signing all different kinds of players um, with different personalities <laughs> and different sort of qualities or whatever. And uh, you know, he made the point that Godfrey is the exact kind of player we should be signing in terms of the right age and the right character. And I think. Um, yeah. I mean, going forward, is that the kind of, however much he, he costs or however little he costs, is Godfrey sort of, I think that should be sort of set up in a sort of blueprint for the, the kind of, not just, not just character, but, you know, sort of tenacity, determination, and also the age of the player as well. Um, is that the kind of player that you want to see Everton targeting more, that, that sort of that kind of defender, I guess? Look, all over the pitch, I want us to sign players who are on the up. And who are yeah. keen to improve and actually come to the club thinking they could have a career at the club rather than it necessarily just being a stepping stone, yeah. as it likely will be for Richarlison. So I think if Godfrey performs, there's every chance Godfrey could have a career, you know, 10 seasons plus. And that's the kind of player I'd like us to I'd like us to be buying, um, as opposed to, you know, an Ashley Williams or some of those other people that have come pretending to be centre backs. Um <laughs> You know, I, I, I like the idea. And, you know, signing from clubs like Norwich or um, slightly, slightly lesser clubs, um, coming to Everton's a big deal for them. Um, and and I, I, I like everything I've seen with Godfrey. I think his attitude's really good. Um, Pete, when we touched on it before in, in midfield, um, kind of, the main one I want to talk about here was Davies, obviously. We talked about him before. I mean, he gave away the penalty, which I think even he... he he knew it was a penalty, didn't he? He could tell from his face that he was pretty, he was guilty. I mean, how do you think he made a strong enough case, Pete, to to stay in that in that side for for United, at least the United game? Well, obviously the penalty is an issue, isn't it? In terms of in terms of discipline, because of him we conceded yeah. the goal basically. But it felt like that was coming a bit as well. In the first half, he gave away two or three like really needless fouls, like when we were kind of pressing up the pitch. Um, but I wouldn't pin that on him too much in terms of it's his first game in quite or like first good few minutes in quite a while so it might have just been a bit of rustiness other than other than those fouls and the penalty I thought he did all right yeah. he's 
he's just a funny player, isn't he? Um, I think there is a player there, but I really, I think he's been let down a little bit by having not gone somewhere for a season, maybe at the top of the end of the championship and just gone and played every single week. He's always kind of been battling his way into the team, but there's always been so much pressure on him to perform every week that he's not developed a well-rounded game yet. And I still feel like even, obviously not this season with the injuries and stuff, but maybe next season, if he's not going to be starting, which he won't, he shouldn't be, he should go somewhere and try and dominate on loan and see if he can like really find, like discover himself as a player almost. Yeah, I mean, Roger, I, my, my issue with Davies, I think, is that he's been here for, well, he's been in the first team at least for what, nearly five years now, I think, wasn't it, since he got his debut yeah. under Martinez. Um, and, and I don't think we still kind of know what, I know a lot of, I know midfielders nowadays get sort of pigeonholed in certain types of roles, where, where, whereas, you know, people say, you know, so, you know, way back when, you know, football midfielders could do all sorts of jobs and not get sort of shoehorned to doing just one specific job. Um, but I don't really know what kind of midfielder Davies is meant to be, really, and I don't, I don't know if, I don't know how, I don't know how you see him or how you, how you felt he did in this game, whether he made a strong enough case for you to stay in the side over Christmas. I think probably he made a strong enough case to, to start again against Man United. Um, you know, the closest thing he's, he's a sort of Alan Harper, Kevin Richardson kind of player in that he's never going to be a first team player. I don't think he's I don't think he's he's necessarily going to be a first team starter week in week out at Everton. If we aspire to be a top 6 team in the Premier League, I don't think he's that good. I'm sorry, I don't. I thought for a period that somewhere like Celtic would be where he could go and play and probably have a decent career. Um and or you know a, a maybe a West Brom Bournemouth, somewhere like that, where he could play central midfield and maybe we'd get 10, 15 million for him. But but he's been here long enough. I agree with Pete. He could and should arguably have gone out and had some time on loan at a decent club, a decent season somewhere and come back and, and, and found himself. But you can't fault him for effort. I just think there's a little bit lacking. The penalty was unfortunate, but he was slightly out of position. It was a rash reaction. There are fine margins at this level and it, it, it could have cost us more than it did just the one goal. Thankfully, it didn't cost us two points. Yeah, I think... I guess the problem Ancelotti's got is he's got... We haven't really got an outright, you know, a, an obvious replacement for Alan because there's nobody else really in no. his mould. The only one you've made the point at is Gabamin, but he's obviously... He's not been fit for the best part of 18 months now, has he? So, um, I, I, I think... When Gabamin is, you know, you, you can't rush Gabamin back because of the the, uh, the the extent of the problems that he's had. But I think when Gabamin is available again, I think you'll probably see him better in kind of as soon as possible, really. Um, with with Davies, though, I mean, it feels like Davies and Gomez and um, Baby and Delph are all kind of much of a muchness, I think, doesn't it, in that, in that role? Um, because like we tried them all now and, and kind of had diminishing returns on, but I mean, I thought I thought apart from the, the penalty, I thought Davies was okay on on Saturday. I just don't know whether he he made a particularly strong case to to keep his place. Um, I think the only other, the only other player I wanted to touch on for this game is Dominic Calvert Lewin because um, he hasn't scored in th- in three games now, which is uh, unusual for, for Calvert Lewin over the last 
sort of year or so. I mean, Pete, are you are you worried that he's kind of his looks run out now? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think it's that at all. Um, no. I think I thought he's brilliant. This game. Yeah, I, I quick... say, yeah, I'm being sarcastic. Okay, for <laughs> Go on. Um, I, I don't think it's a coincidence that he's stopped scoring since Luca Dean's been out. Like, I actually looked at the stats earlier today. Like, uh, Dean's provided four assists for um, Calvert-Lewin this season. And I think just that extra width, I think he, he does yeah. best when the ball's come into the six-yard box. So to get the ball into the six-yard box, really, you need to be getting pushing right up the pitch with your wide players and then playing balls in from pretty much the byline. And I think the fact that we've had four centre-backs and or two sitting full uh, two sitting full-backs has been part of the reason why the kind of goals have um, dried up a bit for him. Also, the fact that Rodriguez has been out, he was pretty key in maybe not always in providing the assist, but assisting the assist, yeah. which also gets you in these kind of wide positions on the byline where the ball then comes in, and that's where Calvert-Lewin finds his position, really. Because um, the trouble is, like, Calvert-Lewin's like, such a bizarre player in the way he's improved. Mm. He's st- I still... If he ever has a shot from outside the box or even past the penalty spot, I never fancy him to score. But like he's just great at getting in these positions now, which he's carved out a real niche for himself. And I wonder if this is going to start a bit of a trend almost among the Premier League in terms of really focusing on this old school kind of centre-forward position again. Um, I think you've got how many other players like him in the Premier League? Maybe I can't think of any really. Well, no, I, th- I think he's, the, he's maybe the, he's, I think he's one of the best aerial threats anyway, isn't he? And he's the best striker in terms of hold-up play, I think, in the league now. Listen, he's, having said that, he nearly scored the goal of the season with that left-footed shot that led was, to the corner. I was going to say, yeah. Going to top bins. Yeah, I was going to say, Pete, did you see? Did you <laughs> save the uh, the save he pulled out of Leno and not for that first half? Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Every now and then yeah. there might be one. But like, if yeah. you actually look at his record, he's, since he's played for Everton, he's scored once outside the box. I'm not sure if you remember it was against Cardiff about yeah. three, four years ago, and it was like a one-on-one, like a really weird counterattack. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think he's, I think he's fantastic. Yeah. He's just, as you said, hold-up playing in the air is brilliant. But there's still other aspects to his game, which is why I wonder if we should still be looking for another centre forward that can, if we're not creating many chances, basically for Calvert-Lewin, if we're not creating chances, he's not going to score. He's not going to go and create his own chance. Um, so if we're, I'm wondering if we should be looking for a backup striker that can play maybe is bet more of a dribbling player and has a better he can he can just like strike from outside the box um, just when you're really not when you're having your off day I don't think Calvert-Lewin's going to really do much for us so I think it'd be interesting if we could perhaps someone like Milic at um, Napoli He's maybe fits that profile a little bit. Whether we'll Roger, look for something like that in the winter. Yeah. I mean, Roger, have you still been... Do you think it's just that we haven't created as many chances because we've kind of been hemmed in more at times in these last few games that he hasn't hasn't got a goal? I mean, have you still been impressed by his general his general game, aside from the fact he's not scored? Yes, of course. I mean, he won the penalty against yeah. Chelsea with remarkable... You know, that was absolutely yeah. remarkable ability to head the ball to yourself. <laughs> I mean, slightly suicidal goalkeeping, but there you go. Um, yeah, I mean, Pete's right. Obviously, no Dina, so fewer crosses coming in from the left, but also no Rodriguez. I mean, shouldn't, we shouldn't, you know, 
Hammers, yeah, he's a luxury player, the assist before the assist or whatever. But, you know, we are much more of an attacking threat with him on the pitch. And if we're more of an attacking threat with him on the pitch, then, then, then DCL is more likely to score um, if he's in uh, position coming in off the right. Or even, you know, he takes a, he takes a reasonably mean corner. Um, although, having said that, um, the Yeri Mina goal from the corner by Sigurdsson is my second favourite goal of the season so far. After I thought that corner was after the after the DCL header at uh, against Spurs in the first game. I mean, that was just just extraordinary. That power power packed header into the top corner. But the corner was brilliant from Sigurdsson, and he's taken he's taken ninety nine ship ones before that. But that corner was right on the money. Mina's run and flick. It made it made Leno look like you know completely baffled. Couldn't you know, look? He looked like a fool. Fell backwards into the goal. It was a brilliant flick, a brilliant goal, just the right time to score it. Um, having just con- you know conceded a penalty, um, yeah, I thought that was that was great. It's interesting stuff about me. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, his last four goals have been in first half injury time. <laughs> yes, there aren't many added time. Yeah. Um, Pete, just going through your stats. Uh, his World Cup goal was in. Yeah, that was in the. His World Cup goal was added time against England, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just after Pickford made that world class <laughs> save, didn't he? Um, Pete, just going through your stats, mate. I mean, you said about Godfrey, most tackles and deceptions on the pitch with six. Um, and one interesting one here, I thought as well, was uh, the set pieces one, because I think that's something we've we've improved massively under Ancelotti, especially. Um, I don't. I, we we were very rarely scored. I think from set pieces under certainly under Marco Silva. Um, Feels like we're much more of a threat now from set pieces, aren't we? You've put eight goals, which is the top of the table this season. Um, Pete, I mean, what do you think? Do you see a difference in the way we attack set pieces now or the way we approach set pieces that maybe did under previous managers, Pete? Well, it's kind of interesting because we've improved at both ends of this, haven't we? Because one of the issues with Silva is we're conceding so many goals from set pieces. Yeah. So I'm not saying it's completely resolved now, but we've seen. We don't look like we're going to see it every time anymore. Um, in terms of attacking, it's hard to say. Um, it, I don't know why, but Everton have always seemed to have a problem with hitting the first man from corners. Like, every single time, it drives me absolutely of the world. It's like, Sigurdsson's a, a massive club, but I've always wondered if it's like, you know, the, the corners by the Gladys Street especially, like, they're so steep. And if you ever go down to pitch level, it's it's a very weird setup. But other teams don't have seem to have the same problem. So I think that's a pretty lame excuse for us. But um, I think having Hammers Rodriguez on free kicks has raised the standard almost in terms of he's when he's putting in good balls. It also means if Dino wants to, if Dean wants to take a free kick or corner, he has to be on points. I'm not sure if it's just improved the concentration. Obviously, Sigurdsson's had a couple as well now. Um, I think it's mostly delivery. And I guess maybe having Mina and Keane together at the back, that's a massive aerial threat you're bringing forward. Probably the average height of, what, 6'4 or so? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, I think this was something we saw as well at the end of last season, I think with Ancelotti, didn't we? Because Mina's, I mean, Mina's two goals at Watford were both in corners, weren't they? And um, was it the Arsenal game last year when I think Calvert-Lewin bundled one enough the First minute was from a free kick, I think, in Charleston's as well. So, um, it's kind of been a constant of Ancelotti's 
tenure, I think. And um, I guess it gives you so much more confidence rather than, say, previously, where you think if we get a corner, it's basically just a goal kick for the opposition or conceding possession. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, like, I mean, compared to where we were last Christmas, to be in the top four is, is a nice feeling, isn't it? I think. Um, what did you, what did you, what did you guys make of um, of Arsenal as well? I mean, obviously they're in a, a bit of a state at the moment. Can you see Arteta turn it around there? I thought um, Arsenal was terrible. You, I mean, I thought, I thought, yeah. I thought it was the worst. I thought we played well. I thought it was the worst we played out of the three games though, and I felt yeah. more nervous in that last minute than I did against certainly Chelsea or Leicester. I think. Yeah, I think. Um... You know, Arteta's had plenty of favourable media treatment. He's yeah. got, you know, the pep sort of circle of virtue around him still. Um, I think he got lucky to win the FA Cup. He speaks good English. He's media friendly and he's not been held to account at all. I don't know who signed William. What a ridiculous signing. That is absolutely absurd signing. 32 years old for 300 grand a week or whatever. Just completely ridiculous. Who gave David Luiz an extension when he is not a centre-back? He's barely a footballer. And it's absurd. Absolutely absurd decisions. And I've never seen a team at Goodison give so look so disinterested. I, I watched the goal again um, from uh, the, the Yerry Mina goal. Yeah. And... They just, they, they didn't care. They didn't care. I think, uh, was it Shearer or someone on Match of the Day was picking yeah. up on Pepe not tracking back and he literally, he literally didn't move um, and, and let, um, who crossed the ball for the, oh, Iwobi crossed it, didn't he, for the own goal? Yeah. Yeah, and he just cut ran past him. Uh, they looked to me to be totally disinterested at all levels. Um, and, and I think he'll struggle. You know, they've got City, haven't they, in the League Cup? And he's almost damned if he wins that because people will say all he does is win cup ties. Um, and then they've got Chelsea on Boxing Day. Um, I, I've had some great... I was talking to Ped earlier on the on, on, on the blue half this week and, and we were laughing about Arsenal fan TV and goodness gracious me. Um, yeah, I think they're a mess. I think they're a mess of a football club. They've got three players between them earning a million pounds a week. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And I think that's Ozil. Well, Ozil, Obama, Yang, Willian. I mean, yeah. for goodness sake. I mean, I, I was watching it. With, I have no idea. What they're on. No, I was watching it with one of my cousins and he on Saturday and he pointed out that, like, if you look in Arsenal's team as well, they don't have any sort of, there's no senior sort of leaders in that team have been been at Arsenal for a while. I mean, sort of, maybe we overplay this sometimes, but like, they, they, they get Arsenal as a club maybe and sort of, I'm very sort of wedded to Arsenal, I think. Whereas, I think you, we're starting to see that more with Everton now. I think with people like Calvert Lewin and Richarlison up front, and I think maybe Michael Keane to a lesser extent, and Mead and people like that. Yeah, um, that's absolutely. Leno, sort of club. The only one who got there. In terms of, like, you need someone there to set the standard. When someone new comes in, there's like a, the critical period when they come in to go, what, okay, what's this club all about? And Arsenal just didn't have it. They just need, they need a complete in order to rebuild. And then. I think the main question for them is like, do they trust Arteta to do the rebuild? But if not, they need to figure out a new ident identity very quickly and then figure out a strategy to put together a team, what, how they want to play, and then figure out some leaders that they can bring in. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, rather them than us. Um, yeah. do, you think, do you think Calvert-Lewin's got any chance of claiming that goal? Or do you think he's... <laughs> 
No, I mean, I wouldn't blame him if he tries, you know, he's just number nine, isn't he, but... Unless uh, the cool no. flag is the goalpost. No, it was going well wide. Yeah, it's got two, three lines wide, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know. If I was him, I'd try and claim anyway. Just to... I think he has been, to be fair. I think he's fallen behind Salah now, isn't he? The, the top scorer, so I think he'll want to get back up to the top there if he can. Um, but no, obviously, that capped off a great week for Everton. And then we go into three, three more games this week. Um, one of the one of the EFL uh, Cup on Wednesday, and then two in the Premier League after Christmas. So we'll have a quick look at them after this quick break. Okay, we're back. Just going to finish off with some uh, some quick previews for this week's games. Um, Manchester United at home in the League Cup on Wednesday night. Um, Sheffield United away on Boxing Day, and then Manchester City at home in the Premier League on Monday the twenty eighth. Um, Guys, I think I know what Roger's answer is going to be to this one, having talked to him on the blue half about this. But if you could win one of these three games, which one would you? Which one would you, which one would you pick? For me, it's got to be the United game. I think trophy is the priority, right? And this is we're two games away from it. Is the right answer? Yeah. It, it, I I do agree, but like what? I mean, would you say the league? Would you say the league cup is a bigger priority than, than the league then, Pete? No, it's just I don't trust Everton to sustain a long period of good form, I think, to whereas I think we could do the two games. Or just one off game. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, look, I think it, at the start of the season, if we said if we said um we want to be playing European football, um, we're three wins away from that. And one of those games is at home to Manchester United. And I think I think that's that's the hardest game left in the competition. I think so, yeah. Um but I mean, I think it's it's difficult in in terms of. I mean, Ancelotti. I was watching his press conference today, and he's saying he's going to go for his for his strongest team. Um, I mean, do you make any changes to the team that beat Chelsea, or do you, so the team that beat Arsenal, or do you stick with with what worked last time? I think it. What would what will I do? It doesn't really matter what I would do. Um, because I've never won anything. Well, I did win one game in under 12s when I was manager for one game. Um, but I think personally, I think he'll bring um, Seamus Coleman back and I think he'll bring Hammers back. No, Hammers is out. He's, he's ruled Hammers out. Oh, he's Hammers definitely out. Sorry, yeah. I've missed that. Sorry, okay. I think he'll bring Seamus back in um, and, and I think um, he might put Holgate on the bench. Um, What's a straight swap at right back? Yeah. Is that, is that just for Coleman's sort of leadership as much as anything in these sort of games? I mean, he's probably, he's not the most obvious captain, I think, but he's probably the, the closest thing we've got to a leader, isn't he? Is that something that we, think we, we might need for a game like this? I think it's experience and they've got a, they have attacking players who can hurt us more out wide than through the middle, you know? I think they're more of a threat from Rashford. Uh, down one side and maybe Fernandez coming down the other. I don't think Martial through the middle on his own is as much of a threat. So I think we need an experienced fullback at least on one side of the pitch. Pete? Um, I think he'll keep it the same. I think the only question is Davis, whether if Gomez is fit, whether he'll bring him back in. Um, but I think the back four, I think they just look so solid and I'd probably keep it like that again. Um, and I also think Looking forward to the next game. We've got Sheffield United on Boxing Day, followed by City, like literally 48 hours later. And yeah. for me, you've got to, for the Sheffield United game, you've got to change as many people as possible. Like 
if can change the whole team, change the whole team. And I think Seamus Cole would be more useful in that game than he would be against United, perhaps. So I'd probably stick for the same team, especially at the back um, for United. Would you, I mean, would you change a winning team that much, though? I mean, even... even I, know, I take your point about the congestion of the fixtures, but do you think you're, um, you know, walking a tightrope, you know, changing, making wholesale changes to a team that's won three, maybe four in a row for Sheffield United? Oh, if you, if you have, like... It's not because of this game that I change it. It's, be, it's the fact that you've got to look ahead to City. I think you have to change it. I think the three, four days rest, you could keep the same team. But from... We've got Sheffield United at, what, I think it's like 8 o'clock on Boxing Day. We have one day off, and the next day we play again at 9 o'clock. There's no way that any kind of player based on speed and pace and these kind of things will be fresh. They, they can play, they can go through the motions, but there's no way they can be sharp enough to play against Man City and get a result, I think. So, for me, you've got to pretty much change the whole team against Sheffield United and then be fresh for City. I think that's the best way. That's the best chance of getting six points there. Unless you just say, okay, we beat Sheffield United, but we're going to sacrifice City. Roger, are you on the same page there? I mean, I guess the only thing I would say is that I guess it's the same for both sides, isn't it? Sheffield United, Man City will have fatigue issues of their own as well. Yeah, I think that's true. I think Pep is far more likely to rotate um, because that's more of his, you know, he's very difficult to predict his starting lineups not just at the back, but throughout the pitch. They're at home to Man- they're at home to Newcastle at the same time as we're away to Sheffield. So we've, it's literally twenty-four, uh, literally forty-eight hours until the next game. Um, I think um, it's a shame that Hammers isn't available for um, Man United, so that you could maybe give Iwobi, you know, a little bit of a rest, bring Hammers in, and switch them a bit for you know each play sixty minutes or 70 minutes in the other swap. Um, but we are thin um, in terms of replacements, you know, with Delph out, Gabamin out, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Branthwaite's out, so, I, you know, and Luca Dina will be out. So, crikey, how many, how many other potential first-choice players do we have that we could bring in? Um, he's not going to play Tosin. He's not going to rest DCL, is he? The only way he could rest DCL would be if he played Hammers one side and Wobi the other and put Richie through the middle uh, with Sigurdsson maybe playing at 10 um, or play Bernard on the left, perhaps. I think it's difficult, um, but I think City are there for the taking. Um, yeah. you know, absolutely there for the taking, um, just as Arsenal were there for the taking, because I think... They've got issues that haven't necessarily translated into results as much, but I think they've got real issues. And when you know John Stones has returned as a world-class centre back, then you just have to laugh because he isn't one. <laughs> and 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 I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin can give him a torrid time. I mean, go on, Pete. Sorry, Sorry out of the two matches, then, so you could play a full-strength side against either City or Sheffield United. Who would you put your full-strength out against? City. City. Yeah. Yeah, because I think I think you know we all make the joke that we're probably more worried about the Sheffield United game because it would be, be so sort of on brand from Everton to to mess that one up after after uh, beating Chelsea, Arsenal, Leicester. But I think I think Sheffield United are a very committed team and a hard working team, but I just don't think they're good enough for the Premier League. No. And I think. 
you know, obviously they haven't won, and I'm sure, I'm sure they want to get that monkey off their back. But I think we're we're more likely to get by having having not having rested players against Sheffield United than we will be against City. So I think if we play if we play second string against City, they're probably the only squad in the league where you could say they have the strength and depth to to maybe to maybe cope. Um, I don't think we have that luxury yet. So I think if you're going to take a chance on either game, I think you're probably better taking a chance in the Sheffield United game. Is that is that what you're thinking as well, then, Pete? Or were you kind of yeah. absolutely around? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like, yeah. This was, I think if we want to have any chance against City, we need to be full strength. Whereas Sheffield United, I fancy us to beat them, even with a, probably a potential front line of like Bernard, Gordon, and Tosin. Like, uh, and then. Coleman at fullback and possibly Nkunku at, uh, on the other side. After that, we're going to probably, in terms of centre-halves, we'll have to play two of the same again. And then probably in centre-mid, we're not going to have a ton of options unless we can bring someone like Gomez in or Davis, whoever whoever hasn't played. Um, but I just think this, if we play the same team or very similar teams on both those games, there's zero chance of us beating City. How, how, do you, how do you two see these three games going then? I mean, what, what do you think... The EFL Cup game, and then and then for the two league games, what's, what do you think is it is it would be a good points return from those two? I think four from the league games. Um, I can see us drawing with Sheffield. I can see yeah. us beating. <laughs> um, United United is a toss of a coin game. They're a good team. They're a very good team going forward. They have got pace. They're they're dodgy at the back, um, and in midfield. You know they've got a, maybe a bit more about them, a bit more steel there in uh, in centre midfield. I think Fred's playing quite well. McTominay's obviously on form. Um, they're a danger, very 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 dangerous team. Um, and um, I think I'd take a penalty shootout now. Yeah, I think a penalty shootout is very likely as well. Um, yeah, I can't can't disagree on the United games, the coin toss kind of game. Um, you'd obviously like to say six points, but I think you've got to expect three points, and then four would be positive. I think you've got to beat Sheffield. Or you've got to hope to beat Sheffield United, but Everton, and then if we do, if we don't beat Sheffield United, then I think there's some pressure on us to beat City. But I think three points is okay. Four preferable, six dreamland. Yeah, I think I, th- I think that. You know, obviously, you want to go into six points, but I think if, if we went into the new year with um, with an unbeaten run, kind of starting to put together, because obviously we're three unbeaten now, if we can make that six by the end of the year, you know, at the very minimum, then I think that's that sets us off on the right foot for 2021, doesn't it? I think. Um, yeah. And you know, we can look forward to a year when hopefully we can get back to watching Everton um, at Goodison Moor and um, seeing Everton. Winning actual trophies again and um, and everything that's you know nice about football that we've been starved of for 25 years or whatever. Um, but look, Pete, Rog, uh, that's all we've got time for. So thanks very much for, for joining us today. Pleasure. Thanks, Pete. Yeah, cheers for having us, Matt. Yeah, no worries. Um, everyone listening, thanks very much for, for listening. Make sure you subscribe and follow and have a great Christmas. We'll be back uh, next week to review those three games. Um, and we'll speak to you again next time. Let's go to Science Radio. <laughs>